I'm sorry, but you were getting handled. I, I really am done with this. Yeah, I, I would disagree with you about their identity. I think you're overselling Sean Clifford because you want to make that point about he left the game Wrong. in a one score game. Are you ready to admit that they're a legit football team? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not ready to say that they are playoff worthy. Do you think that Ian Book is an above average quarterback? Above average, yes. Mark, does Patrick Mahomes look like more than a better than an average quarterback to you? Oh my goodness. You and your revisionist history. This is the That's Debatable Podcast. Welcome to That's Debatable. I am Clint. I'm here with Mark, and we are getting ready to preview week eight of the NFL, but we're going to do things a little bit differently today. And uh, Mark and I have been talking about this and just ways we can try to make the podcast hopefully a little bit better. Uh, We're always trying to make it better. That is why we do ask for your feedback and ask for you to interact with us. Uh, And some of you have done that a little bit, so we appreciate that. Um, For those of you who just listen, we appreciate that as well. Um, But if you are like, I don't know how much longer I want to keep listening to these guys because they don't do this, or I wish they did this differently. We would love to oblige uh, if you can let us know. Uh, So today we're going to do something. One of the things we talked about is rather than just preview individual games and kind of give our thoughts on the which games we think are interesting or whatever, we want to actually look at some different topics and we are going to look at a couple of different games as well, but um, we want to look at some topics of some things happening in the NFL. So I want to start actually um, with something that came out today. Um, now, I don't know if it actually happened today or yesterday, but it's, it's been all over uh, Twitter and the social medias today. And that was Mike Tomlin's press conference. Mm-hmm. Um that was that was a fascinating one, Mark. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's a pretty intense dude, but that was like out of left field to me. He, he literally portrayed as if he took legit offense. And it's almost like he feels as if, like, because he specifically mentioned Andy Reid and Sean Payton by name. And, and like in, in, in regards to like, well, you don't see this question being asked to them and it's like, okay, yeah. or okay. Like what, what does that have to do with? Like, I, I just didn't, I, I just didn't see his point that other than he just feels like offended by it more than anything. Yeah. So if, if you're unaware, he was asked about, um, I mean, I know you're aware, Mark, if our listeners were unaware, if you missed this in, in the news, he was asked in his press conference if uh, something to the effect of like if he was interested in or if his name had come up at all in a couple of these college football head coaching positions. Um, And when I say college football head coaching, I'm not talking about Ball State, you know, or (laughs) Louisiana Tech or anything like that. Like I'm talking about LSU – a team that, what, three years ago? Yeah, three years ago, won the national championship and put 
a bunch of players in the NFL, including Joe Burrow, who is currently one of, you could argue, the best quarterback right now in the AFC North. Like, and they've struggled kind of since then. And they've they've already announced that Ed Orgeron is going to finish the season, but he won't be continuing on. So it's like that's an opportunity to play Nick Saban almost every year. Um, there is so much love and admiration in the national media for the SEC. Like, I mean, that's not a bad job. Right. Um, and then the other that I don't know if he's actually been linked to it or if they were just asking him about it, but was the USC job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that one's one that obviously has had some problems in the middle of the season already, but, you know, it's just kind of fascinating to see that, again, we're not talking about, you know, hey, your name came up for Western Michigan or, you know, your name came up in the Northern Iowa position. Like, then I could see maybe being offended. Like, why would I leave the Pittsburgh Steelers where I've won a world championship and why would I leave that and go coach a mid-major for, you know, a half a million dollars a year, you know, or whatever that they were going to pay. I don't know what they would, that's probably more than they would pay him, but whatever, you know, I could see that. I could see that being offensive and maybe we missed some other context. Like maybe in this press, I doubt it. Cause I feel like we would have seen it on the news, but it's like, did I miss something where they said, are you sure you're capable of being an NFL head coach? And then this was a follow-up, you know, like any of those circumstances would have made more sense, but that wasn't what we saw. We just saw him being asked about being potentially linked to, or maybe interested in two very prominent schools, um, an sec, you know, certainly top half of the sec and a, historically, you know, prominent program in Southern California, you know, living in the sunshine all year long and all this. But to your point, Mark, like about the Andy Reid thing, like, yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense either, especially when they lumped him in with Sean Payton. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, you know, Sean Payton has a Super Bowl win, but that was in 2010. I think yes, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was where they beat the Colts. The 2010, yeah, it was against the Colts. Um, yeah, it would have been because I was just at the end of my job before I moved back to Wisconsin. Yeah, 2010. So like he's won a Super Bowl 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid won one two years ago, and the Chiefs are one of the premier teams. You know, like if you drop Bruce Arians. Or Andy Reid, and you're talking about the two coaches who both just coached in the Super Bowl, who won their respective conferences, you know. If or if you're talking about Andy Reid and uh, boy, I don't know, I don't even know who another comparison. Uh, John Harbaugh, maybe, who's been with Baltimore forever. Bill Belichick. Um, <laughs> yeah, Belichick. Yeah, like anyone like that then you could sort of, you know, say, oh, he's comparing himself to coaches who are tenured in one place. Andy Reid hasn't even been with the Chiefs in this, in relation to his entire career. Like, right. he has not even been with the Chiefs that long. 
Right. He's been there what five years? Maybe I think six. So. Yeah, I, I think like, he he yeah yeah. Cause I think five or six. He he was there like a year or two before Patrick Mahomes. Yes. And so, like, but the other thing, again, no people aren't asking Andy Reid that because Andy Reid is coaching a quarterback who's on the cover of Madden for the second time in three years, who's been to two straight, nearly three straight Super Bowls, who's been to three straight AFC championship games, who doesn't even have to play. Uh, I, I don't think Mahomes has played a road playoff game outside of the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, when you're being that successful at the highest level, you're probably not going to be asked about going and coaching at the collegiate level, especially when it's not even like, it's not even like the Broncos situation with, um, with like Gary Kubiak or even John Fox where they're older coaches and you're winning a ton of games, but it's with Peyton Manning. Who's at the end of his career, right? Like you're talking about, you have a quarterback who most people are thinking is the future of the league, though maybe they're second-guessing it with his start this year, but, like, is the future of the league for the next 10 to 15 years. So, right. yeah, why would you Why would you ask Andy Reid that? Um, now, if the Chiefs continued to stink it up the rest of this year and all of a sudden it seemed like he was maybe losing control of that team or, you know, the Chiefs, front office was like, I don't know what's going on with Andy, but he doesn't seem to be able to get this team to win. Maybe he would be asked a question like that of well, like, Hey, well, would you, would you entertain a, I don't know. I mean, I think he's earned enough grace, but like with Mike Tomlin, I mean, you've not been to, he's not been to Super Bowl in <laughs> 10 years ish either. Right. Well, and the other thing with Andy Reed is he's kind of established himself as not only as a pr- a premier NFL coach, and I'm not trying to say that Mike Tomlin isn't, but what I mean by that is that there are now head coaches in the NFL that were that were taught by Andy Reid. He's kind of like he's kind of really like this Godfather position in the NFL, where now you're seeing guys that were his assistant coaches and coordinators that are that are now coaching their own teams. And like have moved on to become, you know, at the at the top level in coaching in the NFL, and and yeah. Mike Tomlin doesn't have that. Yeah, they talk a lot about coaching tree, like right. who's in your coaching tree or what, you know. And a lot of times when you're talking about a guy's coaching tree, you're talking about like a Sean McVay right. or a Kyle Shanahan. You're talking about the branches of the tree. And yeah, you're spot on, man. Like Andy Reid is the trunk of the tree. And that's not a fat joke about him, though. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but, like, he's he's not like, oh, you know, who's he tied to? Yeah, it's like, oh, I coached under him. Right. I mean, Eric Bieniemy is a name that comes up every single year. And I don't know if he's choosing to stay, or I don't know if he does an interview well or whatever. But, I mean his name is coming up every single year because of his success as part of the Kansas city chiefs organization. Um, you know, Matt Nagy is someone that 
was same same kind of a thing that like his success as part of another system Josh McDaniels landed that job in Denver because <clears throat> of what he was able to do as offensive coordinator in New England Charlie Weiss and here's an example of going to not that I want to you know bring up this guy but I don't even is Notre Dame even are they still paying him I mean good grief but um I literally think they just finished in the last year or so, but yeah, honestly, I think it's been like, like three or four years. <clears throat> here's like, here's a dude that he couldn't hack it really anywhere else, but he was part of that like Belichick coaching tree. And so, yeah, I think that's a good, a good point. The Sean Payton one is a head scratcher to me. Like I just don't understand because a lot of people feel like that he's, you know, you and I, we haven't talked basketball on this podcast at all but we've had that conversation of like how great is phil jackson as a coach Mm -hmm. like is he really good because he could handle the personalities of dennis rodman and michael jordan and scotty pippen or did he win six championships in chicago because scotty was there and then however many more in la because kobe was there because once he went after la round two to new york and everything everything fell apart like he was not successful anywhere else. And mm-hmm. prior to kind of getting up to the Bulls, he wasn't that successful. Um, and so that's how I think a lot of people view Sean Payton is like, well, yeah, he had Drew Brees for like his entire time in New Orleans. So of course he's got a great record and all this. And, you know, and and that's a fair question. But I, yeah, those were, that's two weird people well, to like pull with, from that. With Sean Payton... I almost feel like maybe maybe Sean Payton should be considered for one of those jobs, right? Because even though you you, you just brought up a point about sure he's had Drew Brees and now now the tide's kind of shifting. Um, mm-hmm. But I also like to think as Sean Payton as a coach that has developed a system for developing players. Because I, I mean I wouldn't again you know I'm a little bit younger so I don't exactly remember the moment that Drew Brees became Drew Brees. I mean, he, granted, he was a talented quarterback at Purdue and, and set a lot of records, played, you know, played in some really big matchups, and, and including, I think there was like one time that he would have faced off against uh, Tom Brady at Michigan, so there's kind of a cool backstory there. But I still feel like that Drew Brees, at best, still needed developing and needed coaching to become a, a truly elite quarterback same with Tom Brady. Tom Brady was, you know, what, what draft position was he picked at? And, and it took coaching and 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 developing to make him into a truly elite athlete. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. same thing with Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid has a, a that ability to develop young players that aren't on anybody else's radar like that. Remember, Mitchell Trubisky was over Patrick Mahomes. Just leave that for what it is. And so I feel like maybe Sean Payton is a guy who, in my opinion, would fit the college head coach um, mold a little bit better because of his ability to coach and develop young players and becoming better athletes. So, it, yeah. but, but to your comment, it's just like he picked two random people. Like he just ran, rambled off two coaches' names that are honestly completely opposite. And, yeah, and, that, like, that was the part that was maybe, maybe not the most confusing, but certainly a confusing aspect 
was probably the, the Sean Payton one was the weirdest one to me because yeah. yeah, I could see him in like a Lincoln Riley type role yeah. at a, at an Oklahoma level program for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah, sometimes it just kind of depends. And, you know, we talked offline before this, but you talked about Nick Saban. So fairly successful at LSU and then goes to the dolphins and we'll just say less successful there in Miami. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Alabama and they've been just this ridiculous dynasty for what feels like forever. Even though like growing up as a kid, I didn't really hear a ton about Alabama football. Like they were good. They weren't certainly anything like what they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's built that there. Like that's a guy, you know, it's interesting. Obviously he doesn't bring up, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's coaching at Michigan and he's finally having the season that Michigan people have wanted him to have. Now they've got a tough stretch coming up, but that's for another podcast. Kind of it's, it's related, but, um, you know, he took the 49ers to a super bowl right? and, and really more because of his personality, not working out too well with the 49ers and the timing of Michigan and that being his alma mater, you know, he ends up there. Pete mm-hmm. Carroll coaching the uh the Patriots and then he goes and coaches at USC and despite now Pete Carroll has this way of like dodging scandal <laughs> and yeah. getting out of you know getting out of trouble that way but you know I mean he coached Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and I mean some really really good um you know Lindell White and like just some really good talented players and had Mm -hmm. a very good college coaching career and then went back to the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's like he took offense as if being looped into this was like a demotion. And I think that's what his comments kind of betrayed was that he felt like it was a demotion. And I think to me, you got to like take a step back, Mike, because for one thing, anytime you're linked to, prominent positions that's not a negative thing like i don't think anyone was questioning you know any of that i think it's just like maybe your name has come up like where did he go to school like i don't did mike tomlin go to one of those schools or something because that's that's something that does come up a lot like with a jim harbaugh situation is like going back to your alma mater um you know i don't i don't know but it's just like, dude, like chill out. Like, I don't think that was really meant to be. And now maybe it is, but I mean, Pittsburgh, they've not been very good. And sometimes you do just need a change of scenery. And he also made the comment, like, again, I don't know his current salary with the Steelers, but he's like, there's no booster big enough to pay me, which Mm -hmm. I actually thought was a really arrogant statement and a fairly uninformed one because it's like, do you don't think Nick Saban that they're backing up the Brinks truck to his house every weekend or every, you know, pay period? Like, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has done nothing of note at Michigan. I shouldn't say nothing. Like they had a couple good seasons, but in, in terms of they've not made the college football playoff, they've not beaten Ohio state. They've barely beaten in-state rival Michigan state. They've not even appeared in a big 10 championship game. They've lost 
the majority of their games to ranked opponents. So he's not even done that great there. And they had just extended him. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't understand. Like, if a place believes in you, they'll pay you what they think you're worth. I mean, Mel Tucker, even- for example, not to keep dipping into, like, I'm not trying to make this the college pod. It's our NFL podcast, but, or episode, but like, this is the reality of what's going on in terms of college coaches. Like, Mel Tucker was at Colorado for one season. They went five and seven. And Michigan State offered to double his Colorado salary to get him to come. And now look where they are. So, like, if they think you're worth it, they will pay you. Like, you don't think Ohio State paid Urban Meyer pretty good money after he had been out of Florida? Talk about guys that are also good at dodging scandals. Um, you know, like, you don't think those guys are are good? Like, you know, like, yes, it's a, if you want to call it a demotion in terms of, the level of play, sure. Like, that's fine. There's no, you know, there's FCS, FBS, there's mid, mid-major mid power conference, all of that kind of stuff in college. Sure, whatever. But we're not, again, we're not talking about you getting interviews with a mid-major. We're talking about you getting interviews w- with two prominent, historically prominent schools. And like, Playing in bigger stadiums. Well, at least like Death Valley, like that's a massive stadium. And I get the whole terrible towels in Pittsburgh and all that. But I would, I would put my money on LSU week in and week out being a rowdier, more raucous crowd than the Steelers. And Heinz Field is one of the tougher places to play. But I would still put my money on Death Valley. Mm. Uh, You know, so it's like, and and part of the whole reason we have this NIL business is because NCAA football is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yep. So, again, Mike, no one's asking you if you want to go coach high school somewhere or Pop Warner, you know, come coach my, my son's peewee team. It, like, I don't know. That, that whole well, thing was weird. A little bit of background, because as you were talking, and we were talking about where he went to college, things like that. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of background, because we actually haven't talked about where Mike Tomlin comes from. So he went to college at William and Mary, not a big college. He was a grad assistant coach at Memphis in '96, wide receivers coach at Arkansas State '97. Then he became a defensive back coach at Arkansas State in '98. He was at Cincinnati as a defensive back coach from '99 to 2000. And then he got his promotion into the NFL as a defensive back coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2001 through 2005. And then his biggest promotion at the time was to become the defensive coordinator at Minnesota in 2006. And then in 2007, he became the coach of the Steelers. His last Super Bowl appearance would have been 2010 when they lost to the Packers and he won the Super Bowl in 2009. So that would have been their last appearance was 11 years ago. Yeah. And you've been there 14 years and like the division is changing, you know, like the Browns are good. The Bengals are better than I I think most, most people thought they would be. Um, The Ravens are kind of a mystery, but Lamar Jackson is, is kind of redefining 
even a little bit the quarterback position and uh, you know and you have this like 87 year old quarterback <laughs> that yeah like is probably gonna go in the hall not not probably like in the hall of fame and you know you sort of the pittsburgh steelers like big ben has made them a little bit more dynamic at quarterback but they've kind of always been the same team right sure. steel town deal curtain like hard defensive team like mike tomlin's a defensive guy obviously no pun intended well pun intended um <laughs> but like he's a defensive minded coach all those things are fine like all those things are fine but they haven't changed as an organization i mean look at all the super bowls that like terry bradshaw has that aren't because he was out there lighting it up and i'm that's not a knock on him he would say that he's in the hall of fame and he's made the comment like i'm in the hall of fame but there's like a room in the hall of fame that only a handful of guys actually go in and i'm not in that room like he understands that that he's got some rings from you know his I guess you could say maybe fortunate time being there. I don't want to make it sound like he was no part of it or that he was a scrub. Obviously he's in the hall of fame, but he would tell you like, I'm not Tom Brady. I'm not Peyton Manning. I'm not Drew Brees. I'm not Joe Montana. Like there's a lot of other guys ahead of me. Like Terry Bradshaw isn't putting himself on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. Like, so, you know, like you, you have to kind of understand like Pittsburgh hasn't changed. And so maybe, you know, maybe things are getting a little bit stale there. I mean, you don't see very many coaches that are as tenured in one job as Mike Tomlin. Belichick well, right now is probably the next, well, he'd be more tenured, but Sean Payton has been in New Orleans for a while, but... I mean, Oakland, I keep calling them Oakland. The Raiders get a new coach like every three years or so on average, it feels like. The Chargers have been churning and burning. The Broncos have been, I mean, John Fox got let go and won the division every year that he was there, including with Tim Tebow, and and they let him go. Kubiak was there for two seasons or whatever. Like, the Broncos have switched hands a bunch of times. The Chiefs have been a little while now under Andy Reid. Um but you just don't see the long tenure in general. Like you see coaches moving on to do other things. And sometimes those other things, a la Jim Harbaugh, is to go back to college. And I think that's needs to be, or just make the move to college. I don't even think, I only stay back for Harbaugh because he was there at Stanford and then went to the NFL and went back. But it's like, it's not, up and down. I think that's the problem is like he views it as vertical and that this idea of going and playing in college, we're not, or coaching at college. Like we're not talking about playing Mike. Like we're not saying, Hey, Chase Claypool, he's not cutting it, which is a joke. He is, but like just first guy that came to mind, cause we're going to send him back down to Notre Dame, which, Oh man, would you, but um, <laughs> like, it's not a demotion, you know, like this isn't baseball. It's not like, Hey, this pitcher is struggling. We're going to go throw him down in the minors and see if he can figure it out. And then we'll call him back up. It's not like that. Right. It's, it is a, 
quasi-lateral move, I would say. Like, And you mentioned, like, kind of like the league has been in this place of, like, moving on from the past, right? I mean, like, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are two of kind of and, – and, and Brady is even more, you know, beyond Rodgers as far as mm-hmm. amount of time in the league. But outside of that, you're seeing – so many new faces at so many different new positions where we're like in the middle of this transition into a new era of the NFL. And you, you, I mean, you've got some really good young coaches, Shanahan at the 49ers, McVay at the Rams, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, all of which who have been extremely, McVay has coached in a Super Bowl. Shanahan's coached at NFC championships. LaFleur back to back NFC championships. And so it's like, maybe maybe he feels defensive because maybe he's feeling the pressure. Maybe maybe there's some things happening in Pittsburgh that are that maybe have him kind of tense. Um, yeah. he's not necessarily been, you know, a guy who can control the locker room really well. You look at the Antonio Brown situation; he didn't handle that very well. And then he came back last year and coached an incredibly good football team that went eleven and zero and did nothing else after that. And you mentioned with his with his defensive mindset, when I look at a, a, a team like UC and where they're at currently, and even in the past, they've never really been a defensive football team. They're known for putting up a lot of points and having this pro-style offense that can, can run up the score on you. And, and he wouldn't be asked to be an offensive coordinator. He'd be the head coach of the USC Trojans. And in the landscape of college football, that's offensive-minded, and there's some really good offensive coordinators out there. And he could turn USC into a defensive football team and, and you know, teach really good defensive football and develop some players. And, and as we've talked about, you know, on this podcast and in, in private conversations, USC is still landing incredibly talented NFL-caliber players despite being com- almost completely irrelevant as far as the landscape of the college football playoff and and for the latter half of the BCS era. So I feel like he could make an impact as a head coach of USC. And despite some of his flaws that I think he has as a head coach, I think just about any college in the country and a lot of teams in the NFL would want a coach like Mike Tomlin. I think he, I think he's you know someone who is not afraid to coach and kind of be a little bit loud and, and animated on the sideline. Uh, so I, I just feel like maybe that's where some of the defensiveness from. I, I 100% agree. I think he's looking at it as emotion. But I, I think he can make a huge impact on college football and especially either either of those teams. Yeah, he's an interesting case because his worst season in Pittsburgh was 8-8. Eight and eight. So he's never been below 500 as the head coach of the Steelers. And, like, here's his finishes um, in the in the division. First season, 2007, they finished first. 2008, first. 2009, third, but they were 9-7. and seven. Um, So still two games over 500. Um, doesn't look like they made the playoffs. But they've made the playoffs about half the time he's been there. Um, 2010, lost in the Super Bowl, um, 12-4 first. 2011, 12-4 second, lost the wild card. Like, that stinks, but 
It also stinks to have to play in the wild card at 12 and 4. Then he was third at 8 and 8, second at 8 and 8, first at 11 and 5, second and 10 at 6, first at 11 and 5, first at 13 and 3, second at 9 and 6, second at 8 and 8, first um, at 12 and 4 last season, and they're 3 and 3 so far. Now, the trend, I think, is maybe the scary thing for him, and maybe that's why, to your point, there has been maybe some rumors, and I don't, I, I wish we were that podcast that we had some kind of crazy scoop. We're not, um, but maybe there has been rumblings because since that eleven zero start, they finished that season one and four, yeah, um, and then three and three. So they're they are four and seven since that eleven and zero start, which was kind of flukish. And so maybe it's like, okay, Roethlisberger is struggling and kind of on his way out and maybe our head coach is as well. Now, again, his resume is impressive. That's why your name is coming up. Right. Like, and, and we mentioned this when we were talking about earlier today, I'm a, I'm a Denver fan. And what did I say? Vic Fangio isn't being asked about it. Right. Like, you know, Gary Kubiak isn't being asked about being LSU's coach. Like those are the last couple of Broncos coaches and our, um, you know, Vance Joseph, he's not being asked about being the next coach of the USC Trojans. So, I mean, some of it has to be success. These programs, the reason they're getting rid of their coaches is because they're not being successful enough. So they're not taking a flyer on you, hoping that you're good. Like there's been a few seasons where I've hoped that Pittsburgh would cut ties with Mike Tomlin so that Denver would go get him. Like if we could have went and got him when we, when we got Kubiak while Peyton was still there, or if we could have got him instead of Vance Joseph or instead of Vic Fangio, like I would have taken him over any of those guys. Like, and I think most teams, like you asked the Detroit lions, if they'd rather have Mike Tomlin than any of their last few coaches, like, Obviously they would, and you know that's one maybe he would consider because it's the NFL. But yeah. here's my, like here's a question: Would you rather get paid more money but have to coach the Lions, or get paid pretty similar money, be on national TV just as often, if not more, and coach the USC Trojans or the LSU Tigers? Yeah, no, like, exactly. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the Lions isn't the worst of those three jobs. Yeah, right. You know, or the Houston Texans right now with as much of an like Mike. You know, if your name came up for the Houston Texans, like, would you be all like bent out of shape about that too? Like, or Denver is with the struggles that they have going on, or the Jets or the Dolphins. Like, where where's okay on your meter so i i don't know we need to move on from that topic because we could go on and on about it but um if we have listeners that maybe you have an inside scooper maybe we missed another question that set him off earlier in that press conference i don't know but it's been making national headlines um you know yeah, he walked out never of the never but never i'm like okay dude just like chill out a little bit yeah and then he literally got up and walked out of the rest of the conference like he was that angered by it yeah, something seemed personal. And my other thought is, is does someone, did someone leak information mm. that they know? And it's maybe possible. he has actually been interested. Sure. Because the hard bluff is not 
something that's, you know, foreign to coaches, especially in the middle of an, uh, of an active season. Right. Right. Like, and I brought up Mel Tucker earlier. Mel Tucker was offered Michigan state, turned him down, got on uh, social media and did an interview in Colorado and said to everyone, I'm not going to Michigan state. I'm staying here at CU. We've got more work to do. And literally like 24 hours later, Michigan state's like, how about we double that salary? And like any person with a brain was like, cool, let's do it. (laughs) I mean, uh, I think it was Rick Neuheisel that told Northwestern I'm not leaving. And then he like is making that phone call. Like while he's on his private plane over to see you to take that job. Like I don't know why Colorado is always involved in this. It's probably just the ones I'm familiar with, I guess, but it urban Meyer, I'm not ever going back into coaching. What's he doing right now? Coaching in the NFL. I mean, Brian, Brian Kelly was in, he actually, I think he, I believe he interviewed with the Eagles after the 2012 national championship game. And, and like in a few short years, the Eagles went on to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. And he didn't take that job because he thought the Notre Dame job was better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you know why? Because I'm sure they're back in the, the Brinks truck up to his driveway every payday too. Exactly. I mean, you know, Notre Dame's got money. Right. Um, so I, you know, yeah, it's just, I, part of me wonders if either something else got said that set him off or if maybe there's in other press conferences, there's been questioning or maybe in the Pittsburgh area, if we have Steelers listeners, maybe you can help us with this. Like, has there been rumors? Is Mike Tomlin like on the hot seat? And so now this question, he's taking it personally because it's like, you're turning up the hot seat. Like, I don't know. Or is it maybe like his name has come up or maybe somebody, you know, heard something off the record and decided that they would try to scoop it. I I don't know, but it just such a visceral reaction to what seemed like a pretty, pretty reasonable question. So a question that's being asked to a lot of coaches right now too. in college coaches are being asked, are you going to USC? Are you going to LSU? NFL coaches are being like, there's a lot of, coaching changes being talked about on both both levels so it's not like this is coming out of left field i do think i do kind of wish so they talk about tampering all the time right like it gets talked about probably the most in the nba um of like players trying to recruit other players and like hey you should come play video games with me tonight and then while we're linked up online we can talk about how you can come join my team next year whatever like and they talk about tampering And I do feel like sometimes that you shouldn't be allowed to be interviewing or throwing out names of coaches if that coach is active anywhere at any level. Right. Or at least at a higher level. Like if you're going to, no, I say at any level. Because like, let's say you're in a state high school championship run and then all of a sudden your coach, you feel like he's got his head in the clouds, then you lose a game and you know, it just is a bad situation. So I almost wish they would look at something like that and, and consider it as tampering. It's one thing for the media to say, well, maybe they'll look at this guy or that guy. It's another thing, you know, to, to have that out there or, you know, whatever it is, but, um, an emphatic denial, uh, but oftentimes, maybe not oftentimes, but certainly in the past, that's been, tied to more of a 
no, I got to give a hard no on that because no one was supposed to know, you know, right. or whatever. And maybe, maybe he just really wants to stay in the NFL too. And he does know that maybe he feels like he's on the hot seat and he's looking at a place like Vegas that's going to need, you know, a head coach next year. So it's like, if, I, if I'm going to get out of the NFL or if I'm going to not be coaching the Steelers, you know, I'd like to go to a good position of my choosing, so to speak. And so I, I want to keep my options open here. Whatever it is, I just felt like it was over the top. Obviously, we both felt like it was over the top, and that's why we we brought it up. Um, all right, I'm looking. So, well, let's talk. Let's talk the Green Bay game because um, that's coming up here in a couple of days, and uh, so we can we can preview um, that a little bit. Oh, this was supposed to be our recap week or our recap episode, I guess. Um, well, we're kind of blending it this week since we didn't. Yeah, we'll we'll just make it into one thing. And you're welcome because it was like a really terrible week in the NFL. Like there was a one or two maybe interesting games, but there were a lot of teams just either getting blown out or even like I'm a Bronco fan and that game even though it was a three-point game, was pretty boring. Um, you know, it, it was not an exciting game by any stretch of the imagination, but you had Packers won by two touchdowns or more. So all, all these all these teams, so two touchdowns or more, the Titans, um, 24, so they were three-score winner. Falcons-Dolphins was a two-point game that no one watched or cared about. <laughs> um the Patriots 54 to 13. Oh. The Giants 25 to 3. That game was 5 to 3 for the <laughs> longest time too. Yeah. 5 to 3. I mean you want to talk about putting people to sleep. The Bengals Ravens was kind of an interesting game but still ended up being a blowout 41 to 17. Raiders Eagles 33 to 22. Lions Rams was kind of interesting because of the trade. And so the quarterbacks, but it was like the lions are Oh, and seven. So how interesting can that really be? Yeah. Texans Cardinals 31 to five Buccaneers bears 38 to three. The most exciting thing that happened in that game was that guy getting Tom Brady's ball and negotiating prizes for it. Like Colts 30 to 18. And then last night in another snooze fest, Saints 13 to 10. So even in a, a close game, it was boring. So if you all are listening and you're like, hey, I don't remember you covering the NFL. I just did it. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> you didn't miss much. We we kind of took a bye week last week is what we called it in our college uh, recap and preview. Like, And so... And like I said, we're trying to mix it up a little bit too. So we're we are looking ahead a little bit. And this Packers Cardinals game is coming up in a couple of days. But so we wanted to just kind of talk some football stuff rather than the games because the games just weren't that interesting. The the Mike Tomlin thing that happened today is more interesting, I would argue, than any game uh almost any game played last week. <laughs> the Bengals Ravens was pretty interesting and we can maybe talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, and, and we can talk about why that was interesting. I think it's obvious, but, and the, the other one is how bad Kansas city 
has been. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can maybe talk about that in a few minutes as well. But that like that's it. Rams, uh, that Rams Lion game that you mentioned is kind of like is like a WWE pay per view. There's a really good storyline there, but the visual product is just awful. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it was not. You know, there was nothing glamorous about it. So basically, in week seven, you had two surprises. You were surprised. I think most people were probably surprised at how good the Bengals looked and how bad the Chiefs looked. Yeah. Outside of that, there was not a whole lot that was just, you know, eye catching. Um, you know, my my kid's been sick and she was sick Sunday, and so most of my Sunday was just spent trying to help her like feel comfortable and feel a little bit better and and it was a Sunday was a really rough day uh for her. So I didn't even really watch it ton of football I, I mean i watched some but again it was just about putting me to sleep so that's why we kind of have made this shift so again there you go that that's our recap you heard all the scores most of the games were boring even the close ones were not exciting um in fact fun fact from last night's game i don't remember i don't know if you got this message or if i sent it to someone else so geno smith threw for a hundred and 76 yards last night, I think. It might have been, no, it might have been 160. He threw for 167 last night. All right? 167 yards. DK Metcalf had an 84-yard touchdown. (laughs) Do you know what 84 times 2 is? (laughs) 168. So he got over half of his yardage on one play. DK Metcalf's a beast. And he showed it on that play. And you rewarded him with one more catch for a whopping eight yards. Mm. Sorry, 12 yards. He finished with 96 yards, two catches. Now that stat line looks great. If it's like the first quarter of the first half, even it's not a bad stat line if you don't look at the catches. (laughs) <laughs> like if you just say I ended 96 yards in a touchdown, I think most people will be like, cool, fantasy owners, whatever. Now, if you're a PPR league, you're like, bro, two catches. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to get more points out of, you know, Jark McKissick or whatever, because he's catching 16 passes out of the backfield. But like, you know, I mean, that's part of that stat line is not bad, but 167 yards and you get more than half of it in the first quarter, no less too. Like in the first quarter of that game. In fact, five minutes into the game. So in the next 55 minutes, you couldn't even get as many yards passing as you got on that one play. Like, so yeah, 13 to 10 might look like it was exciting, but it it wasn't. (laughs) There's just nothing about it was exciting. Um, yeah, just very pedestrian football. Let's actually, I think now would be a good time to, with that in mind to transition into this conversation we've had. So in 2017, at kind of the beginning of the Colin Kaepernick taking a knee thing and the whole league jumping on it and fighting with the president and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. In 2017, 
actually, yeah, it was January of 2017, I think it was. Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, came out and said, Colin Kaepernick should be a starting quarterback in this league. He is capable of being a starting quarterback. And then he came out like a couple years later, and maybe I'm getting these flip-flopped, but he came out, no, I think it was a couple years later, and said that he regretted not signing him. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like, cool. Like, you want to own that? Like, that's fine. And there's been a lot of talk about Colin Kaepernick, and we're not going to dive into that whole issue because it's been it's been done to death. Like, here's my take on it, and you can agree or disagree, Mark, or the rest of our listeners. That dude got benched for, I think, C.J. Beathard. We've talked about how great quarterbacks come out of Iowa, right? Um, so he got benched. I, I think it was for C.J. Beathard, uh, but it was for it was for somebody. But he got benched because he was playing horrible football. Like he played really well those first couple years, led them to um, the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, because they called it the Har Bowl. It was John and Jim Harbaugh. Um, and in fact, dude, he lit your Packers up in that NFC championship game mm-hmm. on the ground primarily though. And that was kind of the beginning of that, like running option, like read option sort of thing. But then the NFL kind of figured it out. And all of a sudden his passing ra- passer rating plummeted, his QBR plummeted, his accuracy was not very good when teams forced him to be a pocket passer and he wasn't a good quarterback. That's why he got benched. He got benched prior to the kneeling. All right. I think that gets lost on a lot of people. He got benched prior to the kneeling. Now people can make the argument that that's why he knelt and he was trying to stay relevant. I don't know if that was it or not. I I don't, I'm not going to go that far because that's kind of a weird way to try to do it like did he want to make a statement sure and he definitely has and uh, goodness you know we've had all of the follow-up of that over the last several years but like that that happened because like he got benched because he wasn't playing good football period like that's it and the nfl prides itself on being the ultimate meritocracy like we play whoever is the best. And so if you're not the best, then CJ Beathard takes over for you. And I might be I, I might be wrong on who the backup was, but your backup takes over for you if you aren't good enough. You right. don't believe that? Ask Drew Locke. Like they literally traded to bring in Teddy Bridgewater and then basically pretended to have a competition in training camp where most people don't even think Drew Locke like had a legitimate chance. Why? Because in the, his one full season, he wasn't very good. And the team said, we have to be better. I mean, it's not, it's not personal. And I think that Colin Kaepernick's benching initially, there's no evidence whatsoever that that was anything race related. And I, you can argue that he was blackballed or whatever from the league, and I think they even did like an independent investigation and said that he was and all this. But it, 
I don't know that it's fair to call it blackballing versus saying you might be better than Nick Mullins or um, Nathan Peterman. Like, I remember he threw that five-interception game with the Buffalo Bills a few years ago. Do you remember that? Yep. And everyone threw a fit because it's like, here's this white guy that's getting a chance to play quarterback, and Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. Well, Colin Kaepernick was offered with the Ravens and his girlfriend ran her mouth and that ruined that whole thing. And they said, we don't want the drama that's coming with this. The Broncos were another one that looked into it and didn't want to pay him the ridiculous amount that he wanted. The NFL gave him a private tryout and he, he changes locations up. at the last minute and makes a whole spectacle of it. And so I don't believe for a second that this guy has really wanted to get back in the league for a while. I think early on he probably did. But I think he's again, this is my opinion, but it's our show, so whatever. Like, I think he has enjoyed the benefits of this so-called blackball. He's getting paid massive money from Nike. He's been in all these commercials. He's the poster child for oppression. Um, even though he was raised by wealthy white parents who put him through a nice school and I won't even go into all of that, but like all of these privileges that he's had and that have been afforded to him. And, you know, we're going to talk about how he's been blackballed from the league. Like, I think that's garbage. I think teams don't want the baggage because if you bring in Colin Kaepernick, then what happens? Like if you start him and he's terrible, are you allowed to bench him or are you a racist? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just getting real. We don't normally get this real on the podcast, but like, that's, that's the reality of it, right? Like there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. And there's a lot of drama that comes with that, that when you're trying to run a professional organization, you don't want to necessarily invite all of that extra press, all of that extra junk into your locker room. Because if he doesn't, like, if he pans out, great. And then you look like a hero who, you know, isn't racist, I guess. But if it doesn't, then you've just wasted time and money on a guy that his last time playing in the NFL wasn't very good. And sure, he's got, he's got a strong arm and all that. So, yeah, when he's throwing passes to a, a guy who's undefended, it, it looks pretty good. I'm not an NFL starting quarterback, but I can throw passes to wide open receivers too. Like, and I, you know, I'm not trying to compare myself to him in that way, but I, I circle all the way back to say this. You clearly have a quarterback problem, at least for a couple weeks in Seattle, right? Am I right? Mm -hmm. Like, they've got another probably four weeks of Russell Wilson not being able to play. So here's your chance, dude. Like you've been talking all this garbage and it's so easy to talk when you don't have to back it up. It's so easy to say, oh yeah, Colin Kaepernick definitely should be starting in the NFL. I mean, we can't do it here in Seattle because we have Russell Wilson and he's taken us to two Super Bowls in his fairly short career, right? Like, and he's won one of them. And so, yeah, we're not going to be able to have him start here, but he's definitely a starter. And I do kind of regret, oh, I wish we could have signed him. As if there's never been another offseason for you yeah. to bring in another backup. Right. You know, like, it's such a stupid argument. 
But if you truly believe that, that he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL and you need one, then why not come let him win games and prove everyone wrong? Like you'd be the ultimate hero as an organization to bring in the guy who is supposedly blackballed from the league because you believe in his talent and you bring him in and he wins three out of four games, two out of four games, whatever it is, but he looks good. He's razor sharp. Like he's making good throws. He's making good reads. He's leading your offense. He's all of the things from the guy that went to the, the Super Bowl. He's that version of Colin Kaepernick. Maybe even gets the, the dreadlocks back instead of the Afro. Maybe that was the problem. I don't know. Anyway, like here's your opportunity. And what do you have to lose? Especially after that performance last night from Geno Smith. Like, and I don't have anything against Geno, like, but he's kind of a washed up dude. And they went out. Okay. True or false. He was on their roster to start the season. I honestly don't know if he was. I, I legitimately exactly. don't know. Nobody knows if he was. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately don't Because it's know. been so irrelevant. And so, you know, like you look at him and it's like, he, you know, he's kind of bounced all over the league, right? Like, and he just hasn't been very good anywhere. And again, I'm not trying to just like, pick on Geno Smith, all right? But he just isn't, like, he just isn't very good. And that's why he's a backup quarterback. But he's shown that he hasn't been very good since he took over in the game that Wilson got injured and then last week. So now's your chance, Pete. Like, Colin Kaepernick is sitting out there. He tweeted not too long ago that he's waiting for his opportunity to get back in the league. So... I would like to see him in Seattle. I I legitimately would. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being tongue in cheek here. Like I would like to see Pete Carroll, who told everyone that they regretted not signing him and that he deserves to be a starting quarterback. You have the opportunity right now, even if it's for a short window, you have the opportunity right now to right both of those wrongs and to allow Colin Kaepernick to show the NFL what he has. And here's why that's not going to happen because Colin Kaepernick is not a good quarterback. Yeah. Like, and I agree a lot of your points and, and you know, we could sit here. Anybody can sit here and point fingers all day long about who's right and who's wrong in the original situation. And, and you know, there, there, there's parts where Kaepernick was wrong. There's parts where the league was wrong. And again, nobody has done the situation perfect by any means. But what stands out to me is is as the point that you mentioned that the NFL hosted a tryout session or a uh, an open workout for him, and coaches showed up. Coaches were there for that, and he changed the location last minute and made it about him. I think he had a tryout for one one person, and I don't know how closely to the league that person was even related. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that to me stood out. And I, and I think that that's when the league checked out, that's when the league checked out on him. And, and there's a couple of reasons and both you have mentioned why he won't be the starting quarterback for four weeks, even in Seattle. One, 
because you know Russell Wilson's coming back and clearly not better than him. And two, that the Seattle Seahawks ownership is not bringing the baggage into the, into the system. And Pete Carroll doesn't have the pay grade to decide that. <laughs> and, and that just is what it is. And I Let don't think... Let me ask you this. If, if Colin Kaepernick truly were capable, as capable as it... Because, I mean, it's not just Pete Carroll, right? It's the media. It's every time some random backup or some other washed-up dude gets signed. Like, Joe Flacco is going to start probably this week for the Jets. Yeah. And he's been terrible. He was terrible in Denver. He's been bad pretty much since he got hurt with the Ravens and lost his job to Lamar Jackson. So, like, whatever. But every time a backup, you know, this dude with the long neck down in Houston... David White or whatever. like Mills, yeah. I don't even know if that's his name, but da- David Mills, I think is his name. So, But anytime someone like that or a Geno Smith or whoever, it's like, oh, you're telling me that but Colin Kaepernick can't get a job. Like, well, okay. It, I don't believe for a second that if people, like, because... Here's here's a perfect example of this. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. Look mm-hmm. who's on that team, right? Indomitian yeah. Sue. Yeah. Does that guy bring baggage? Absolutely. He hasn't probably for a while, but he certainly did at the time. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown. Are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. that guy was a hot mess. Yeah. And nearly out of the league. Richard Sherman has like domestic violence charges against him last time I checked or, or something like some, some side, some type of like felony charge against him. Yep. Deshaun Watson. Kareem Hunt has 22, you know, alleged, I don't know what happened with Deshaun Watson, but that's, you don't even know if that dude's going to be able to play or go to prison. And there's five teams trying to trade for him before the November 2nd deadline. So I don't buy for a second the argument that, that Kaepernick is good enough. We just don't want the baggage. I think it's like, I think it's, we don't, we don't want all the circus show because it's, we know it's not going to be worth it. Because you put up with a lot of stuff, like you'll put up with a lot of garbage to bring in a player if you feel like they're going to be a difference maker. Like if you and if you need a starting quarterback to come win games for you, because right now Geno Smith is zero and one as the starter. Like you could bring him in and say, "Hey man, like we want to give you a shot. We feel like the league's done you wrong, and we believe in you." Like we really believe, and with all the noise and everything, we're gonna bring you in. And just so you know, I mean, you're no dummy. You know that we have Russell Wilson, and that he's out with a hand injury. As soon as he's back, the job's his. Like you're not gonna steal it from. You're not. Like, you're not gonna win it from him. It's not a competition. It's we need a guy right now, and we believe that you can help our team while Russell Wilson's out for however long, because maybe it ends up being an extended period of time or whatever. And then we're hoping that, you know, people will see how you play here in Seattle and realize how dumb they were for not signing you all this time 
and we're hoping that at the end of the season, like we're just going to sign you to one year. And at the end of the season, like you're going to have your pick of places to go, be it Denver or Carolina or New York or Houston, Miami or War- Houston or whatever. I mean, like there's going to be places for sure. Right. So we want to, we want to make sure that you have as good an opportunity as you can. And we want you to showcase your talents. And so we think you can help us win games. And we think this is going to be a win-win for us. You would do that if you felt like he gave you a legitimate chance to win. Well, and, and, but and I, if he I agree. Doesn't, he's definitely not worth the circus sideshow. And I'm not talking, I'm not, that's not a slam on him. I'm just saying it would be a circus if this dude were to ever come back in the league. And I don't have any issues with put yourself in a bad place if he doesn't play well and you, and you need to bench him. And I don't have any issues with him getting a second chance because that's really what it would be, right? It would be a second chance. Yeah. And and for all the reasons of the names that you just named, and you even left out Hunt, who had had a scandal. Um, Ash Gordon just got reinstated to the league again. And Antonio Brown, who is probably one of the best cases of of revitalizing his career, um, and for all of those reasons, I'm fine with Kaepernick getting a second chance. Yeah, if you can ball, like do it. And the issue is, is that you know, I, I agree. I don't think that he legitimately wants to, because you can't tell me there's not opportunity and that there hasn't been opportunity. And so that's that's just kind of where I'm at, and I yeah. I don't blame anybody in the league being checked out after just after he made that whole thing with the tryout a publicity stunt and turned it into a Nike campaign, and that and that's why that's why he's not playing because I believe that teams were going to look at him and decide, okay, like yeah, he's been for you know two, three, four years now, but but can he? And yeah. you would have known even that. if you were going to put him on your roster at like QB three, because here's the thing, like, here's the other thing to think about, right? Like the NFL is so much about PR and there, you know, you got the end racism and all the other like black lives matter and the, the different things on the back of the helmets and all that, the, mm-hmm. the social justice message on the back of their helmets, like, and that's a very popular thing. And again, I'm not here to debate that part of it. And I know you're not either, but Teams and organizations, if you can get good PR, you'll do it. Mm -hmm. And at this point, with the Kaepernick situation, with him getting this tryout, if you were the team that landed him, like that was going to be all eyes on you. A mixed bag, but you were certainly going to get good PR. You know that, like, the media was going to be all about how your organization was so great for finally stepping up and giving this guy a second chance. So yeah, I think he did it to himself to a a large degree. He's also, it's been on the record that he's turned down not only at least two different that we know of in the NFL. Others have said he doesn't want to be, he didn't want to be a backup. Now that's kind of been rescinded and maybe he's more open to it because it's been longer or whatever. But they talked to him about playing in the XFL when it got re, you know, revived or the AAC or the a, whatever the other one that was out there for a little bit. Like he didn't want to do any of those things. So it's like, okay, dude, like that's fine. But I just think the world would be a better place if we would all just 
be honest. Mm-hmm. And Pete Carroll does not truly believe, I don't buy for a second, he thinks Colin Kaepernick could start in the NFL. And in fairness, he did make that statement a couple years ago, but I don't think he believed that even at the time. And second, like, I don't think Colin Kaepernick really wants to get back into the league because he is still to this day, the poster boy of oppression of like someone who was just done so wrong for the stand he took, ignoring completely his terrible play that led up to his, his benching. Like that just gets left out of the story. I feel like it, when the Colin Kaepernick movie gets made, cause you know, it's going to like, it's going to be him going to the Super Bowl with the 49ers and then kneeling like the next year and yeah. then getting benched. Like it's going to be what I like to call revisionist history. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all right, we're going to move on from that and and we'll go, we'll go on to the Packers. So, because this is, this is great. Like I, this is kind of fun actually. I mean, not that our other podcasts aren't fun, but we're getting, we're dipping into politics. So that's always exciting. <laughs> um, and on on that theme, politics and football, because you can't have any part of life without politics anymore, apparently. The Packers travel to Arizona Thursday night, and this is an interesting matchup because the Cardinals are still undefeated. It almost It's weird. It's almost like it lost its luster once they became the last team. Um, but now... It's like, oh, here's one to circle on your calendar because the Packers are six and one, but they started zero and one in embarrassing fashion, and then they've been perfectly fine ever since. And so, I almost think that also feeds, since again, we we love talking fun stuff, the conspiracy that maybe Rodgers wasn't going to tank the season, but maybe that first game just to stick it to him. Oh man, that's your own stats, though. I don't know. I don't know that I buy that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. They got blown out and they've been fine ever since. And so now it's like, all right, here's like this high powered offense. Uh, offense is really um, coming into this game. And it'd be a matter of who could play, you know, better defense. And then burp, 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 the COVID, COVID protocol just smacks the Packers around. Defensive coordinator, um, wide receiver one. And wide receiver, well, Two. I guess yeah. Valdez Scantling is is hurt. Yeah, um, it's really been Lazard though. It really kind of yeah. has been. So it's interesting here because if you're a Packer fan, you are. So let me ask you this question. That was kind of a dumb intro. <laughs> um, as a Packer fan, do you feel like you have? grace to lose this game a little bit for, for a couple, for a couple re- Well, no, let me just, I'll just ask it there and then I'll see what you say. And if I want to add some qualifiers, I'll add it. But like, do you feel like you have some grace to lose this game because of the COVID protocol thing? That's, that's kind of crippling you right now. No. Why not? Because we won a lot of games last year with Devonte Adams hurt. And, and that's because of other offensive weapons that we have. We've got, one of the more underrated one-two combos at the running back position. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both are incredible backs. I've mentioned to you, and we saw it happen a lot last year, and it's happened a lot this year. They can get Aaron Jones out in space. They'll throw some bubble passes. They'll run some jet sweeps. There, there are ways 
to uh, to get involved in the passing game for Aaron Jones. And not to mention, last year, Robert Tunyon led all tight ends in touchdowns. And so he's a cable tight end. He has been widely underused so far this year. And then you ask for Randall Cobb back. This is a guy that Rodgers literally fought for and nearly retired over. <laughs> Getting this guy back has been so important to him, and he's kind of also been underused. You've also got your draft pick, Amari Rodgers, way underused. And so, again, this is something that I, I had talked about last year with a couple of other friends. I have a couple of other Packer friends as well, is that sometimes Aaron Rodgers has the tendency to kind of tunnel vision on Devontae Adams, and there's a lot of talent on that team. And Rodgers is incredible pick, incredibly picky, and he likes Equinemia St. Brown, but he gets underused. He likes Alan Lazard, and he still even underuses him. Now, um, Valdez Scantling has kind of had a case of the dropsies, but this is a guy who stuck around and is, is you know, if, if Rodgers is as picky as he is, he's, he still keeps him there because he likes guys that know how to run their routes and are not afraid to kind of put their body in, in jeopardy to go up and catch a pass because Rodgers can put it where only he knows his guy can get it. And so offensively, even though you're down Adams and Lazard, we have seen them go out and win games based on 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 that alone. So if you're asking me, do I find it acceptable to lose a game because of Adams on COVID and Lazar on COVID, it's no, because we're not going to lose this game because of a lack of offense. It's going to be the defensive struggles because we're still down Jair, Jair Alexander. We're still down Kevin King, despite the issues that I have with Kevin King that go back to last season where he just absolutely was horrible at the cornerback position and has continued to be kind of very mediocre this year. He's still a veteran on the team. You're also, uh, Darnell Savage did play against the Washington football team, but was dealing with a possible concussion from the week before, and now you're on short rest on all of that. We've got no Zadaria Smith. Preston Smith didn't play last week. Those are your two best pass rushers. And I mentioned Rashawn Gary. He stepped up and he's played a big role. But there's just lack of veteran presence other than Jalen Smith, who they they like a lot and they've trusted in, and he is a veteran presence, but he doesn't fully know the playbook yet. He's still kind of learning and and you but he's he's made a big impact. And and that's one thing about a guy who has been in the league and has leadership role. Um and he's been your, your signal caller now on defense, and he can he can play in coverage, and he's a good pass rusher. So there there's and you but because of that, you're gonna have a, a rookie in Eric Stokes possibly going out with DeAndre Hopkins or Rondale Moore, who is also a rookie, but has been an in, incredible receiver so far this year. And that's just you know that and, and if you're not going to be able to get a ton of pressure on Kyler Murray which is where you need to be if you're going to be you know, a good defensive football team against the Cardinals right now. It's getting yeah. pressure on Kyler Murray and covering DeAndre Hopkins and, and not letting them run the ball down your throat. And I, do, I just don't know if right now there's enough on defense to do that. And Rodgers even mentioned before this week's game, his exact words were, I don't want to go too far out on a limb, but it reminded him of the 2010 season where 
throughout the year they were finding ways to win games, but they never were like fully healthy until it came to their playoff run and go on to win the Super Bowl. And you've got a feeling that when all of those pieces kind of come back and place themselves back in their normal positions, that we could be a really, really good football team. It's just that, unfortunately, right now the defense is riddled with injuries. You're on a five, five, just you know, a five-day short rest week, and then add COVID on top of it, and it creates this incredible mess that could have been a really, really good Thursday night football game. And it still could be a good game. Um, but I think we lose this game because of defense, not because we won't have Adams or Lazard. Yeah, like I guess for me, there's a couple things that come into play. One, like when I say is there some grace here, I guess like what I mean is, you know, this isn't like if you lose this game, it's kind of like, ah, you know, that stinks. And and it would have been nice to be at full strength against the league's only undefeated team like the deck is very much stacked against you like i understand what you're saying like yeah Devonte adams was out last year and we still won games yes but like and randall cobb like that's cool and all but like that dude's getting old and he's certainly not the same guy that was rogers you know target the first time around in green bay he's more of a like fan favorite that it's nice to have him back and he's still a, a capable receiver he is honestly in my opinion he's very similar to the guy that's going to be on the other side of the field um or not, i guess not the other side of the field because that would be the, the arizona defense but his counterpart i guess you could maybe put it that way on arizona aj green mm-hmm. guys like end of their career that were very good receivers you could even say great receivers um earlier in their career that are now serviceable receivers late in their career. They're guy that got kind of that Larry Fitzgerald, you know, um, just reliable guys. But, you know, you're talking about wide receiver three and four, basically being bumped up to wide receiver one and two, like that's tough. Like to replace essentially like two guys like that's, that's a hard one. And that does allow, the defense to plan for you a little bit better too. So you're coming into this game. In fact, let me pull up um, the spread on this. So Arizona is basically a touchdown favorite, six and a half. um, And that's at home. So given everything that's there, um, I feel like they have a little bit of grace. Now for me, I'm, I'm, I used to be like, I called myself a Packers smacker because I just hated green Bay. And Since I've moved out of Wisconsin and haven't had to just hear about them 24-7 in the news cycle, um, I don't feel like I maybe hate them as much as I did before. I think I just, I was all packered out when I lived in Green Bay, or when I lived in Wisconsin, because I just, if you don't like them, it's like, oh my goodness, it's just over the top. Now, I lived in and around Denver for seven years, and I love the Broncos, but if you don't, you'd probably would grow to hate them for the same reason if you lived there. So that's probably part of it. But nonetheless, like when I look at the Packers now, I I think they have grace for a couple of reasons. One, you've got breathing room. Um, you've got you've got breathing room in the division. The division's not good. Like you're the second best team record wise in the NFC. I mean, or, or tied for it. 
and you have the worst team in football in your division. You also have the Bears that look terrible, that just got the doors blown off of them by Tampa. Justin Fields, how's the speed of that game coming to you now with those zero touchdowns and three interceptions? Like, you know, two two of the three teams in your division, none of the teams have great quarterbacks. Like, the second best quarterback in your division right now is Kirk Cousins. So you've got breathing room. Like, does anyone even have more than three wins in the North other than you guys? No. No. Yes, you've got the two to three game lead, including no, division wins. I understand so, like, it you, from that. I understand it from that perspective. I guess, in my opinion, losing this game, you know, despite COVID, wouldn't or, or and injuries wouldn't sting as bad hadn't hadn't you wasted the season opener? I guess, and it really does feel like wasted. I, I don't know how else to you know how. How else do you explain that performance? Not just from Rodgers, but the, the team in general. Like, yeah. So I guess, like, to me, it wouldn't sting as bad seeing that this is the second loss. And I, again, it's just the second loss. I get that. I don't want to like overanalyze and be too critical, but you just get the feeling that this is a better football team. Like as we mentioned, this this could have been a game of two undefeateds. And right. So I, I get it from the perspective of the division. We're not in danger of losing the division. And it probably doesn't even really put into perspective what kind of football team this could be come playoff time. Um, I guess it's just in the moment to me, it's a, it's a one, obviously you don't want to lose games. But it's sure. like, you know, we, we, we could we could legitimately go out and, and beat these guys. And I feel like the opportunity is still there. Um, Minnesota had the opportunity to beat the, Card- to beat the Cardinals. Oh, absolutely. Should have. Like, it, exactly. Was that week two, I think? Week two. So it's like... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you definitely have... Like, I, I think the team is capable. Uh, you know, um, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, like, you you have some... You have plenty of breathing room, and what I would... Uh, it's a hard balance as a coach because... We've, we talk about the pressure of expectation. We were talking about it, and maybe we'll talk about it when we preview college football this week with Spencer Rattler and, and the transfer portal. And I joked about him, you know, he should go to Iowa because the pressure of expectation is not that high. Like, no one's expecting you to lead Iowa to a national championship. So maybe you can just go and ball out and build up your NFL resume, maybe chase the Heisman that you were supposed to be chasing this year, like whatever. And we'll, we'll get into all that. But that, that concept though, of, you know, sometimes you can come out and when there's no expectation, you, you got nothing to lose and you can play real fast and free. I think mm-hmm. that's what we saw from the Browns in the Bronco game Thursday night. Like here's case Keenum. That's like, if he doesn't get the win, it's like, all right. I mean, you're without, your top two running backs. You've been without OBJ all season. Like you're missing guys. It's a short week. You don't even have a lot of time to prepare. Like there was every reason for Cleveland to not win that game uh, on paper. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And sometimes the lack of pressure of expectation allows you to just be like, hey, I've got nothing to lose. Like, again, Case Keenum isn't under any false ideas that he's competing to become the next permanent starter of the Browns. So he doesn't have to be like, if I play bad, I'm going to get benched. No, dude, like if Baker comes back, you're going to get benched. So you can play fast and free. And he didn't light it up, but he played very well. And then uh, De'Ernest Johnson, who was, what they say he was like, I forget even what it was. I almost said bag and groceries, but that was Kurt Warner. But like, wasn't even in the league a year ago. And he's he's RB3 behind two very so it's like I'm not touching the ball. And he comes out totally balls out. And some of that was Denver played like garbage, but still it's props to those guys. And so as a coach, you want to try to tap into that. Hey, nobody I guess maybe you push on the 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 nerve of hey, nobody believes in us. No one's given us a chance. You know, they think that without Adams and without Lazard and without our D coordinator, that we don't stand a chance. Arizona's better, blah, blah, blah. And you give them that that bulletin board material. And maybe that's maybe that's kind of how you allow them to play fast and free of like, hey guys, we got nothing to lose. Like if we lose this game, you know, we don't want to lose we don't want to lose any games, but people are gonna understand because of the guys we're down, because they don't think we can win anyway. So it's not going to surprise anyone if we lose. So let's go out and surprise some people and win. And maybe you kind of ride that swagger. I don't know. Um, this will be one keeping and worth keeping an eye on. One of the more entertaining Thursday night games, um, on paper at least, of the year. But my last thing on this game, because why not keep dragging politics back into it? But I do think it's interesting that Devontae Adams, because he's... Uh, been vaccinated he just has to produce two negative tests and he can travel um now he'd he'd be hard pressed still to get there in time and it it might be something where it's not even possible but from the time that it was first announced that he was on the covid protocol it was you need two negative tests within 24 hours of each other or outside of 24 or whatever, more than 24 hours apart, two consecutive negative tests and you can play. And it's like, well, that's weird because I mean, obviously he was able to contract the virus with the magical vaccine and you're going to let him play two, three days after he gets it. Even though if we're following science, which Again, I don't want to get all into that, but they've said you can transmit this even if you're vaccinated. You can unknowingly transmit it. Like that's part of the reason they're encouraging people to get vaccinated, right? Is because people can transmit it to you without you knowing it. Okay, fine, whatever. Like that's that's all well and good. But here's your other dude, but because he hasn't been vaccinated, he's definitely out, has to go through the full protocol. And what you're doing is the league is to push this vaccine, you know, on behalf of the federal government. And I, and, and that's what it is. I don't give a rip about what people say. Oh, it's for people's health. Stop, stop. Like 
There were so many dumb things in the NFL last year. You can't trade jerseys. Like, you're going to go out there and literally tackle people and lay on top of them, but you can't trade jerseys after the game. That has nothing scientific about that, nothing to do with anybody's health. That's bogus. So the NFL has flexed their muscles on the COVID thing more than once. And the Broncos was another perfect example of it. Like, they were in a meeting, and it was found out that they had their masks down when they were around someone who had tested positive. And so to punish them for being in their own building with masks down, they made them start a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. And it was a disservice to every poor soul like myself that had to watch that. It was a disservice to the Broncos, to the saints, to the NFL, but the NFL likes to flex their muscles. So here's two guys that both of them test positive And because one guy has done what's popular and gotten vaccinated and it's his choice, I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not telling people don't get it. If you want to get it, get it by all means. Like I'm not saying my status. I'm not saying Mark's status. I don't care what Mark's is. Anyone that's listening, I don't care if you've been vaccinated or not. Like that's your choice. It's my choice. It's Mark's choice. Like, that's the beauty of America. But because one guy did and one guy didn't, we're going to change the rules that have absolutely no scientific bearing, no health of other people bearing, but a we're going to let you off the hook easier because you did what we wanted you to do. And I think that's so dumb. Like, that ought to be the standard for anyone. Like, if you test positive, I get if you test positive, you don't want to spread it around. That's fine. Uh, like, that's fine. So either keep everybody out and make everybody go through the COVID protocol or make the two consecutive negative tests available to everyone because there have been plenty of cases of false positives. There have been plenty of cases of false negatives. And so if if a guy can prove on back-to-back days that he's testing negative of this virus, why are we prohibiting him from playing? That's stupid. Yeah, it it really is an interesting scenario. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, except for, like you said, it's the NFL flexing their their muscles and saying... It is political garbage. But what they say goes, and you're going to like it or not. We're seeing things like that similar in college football as well. I I know of a... uh, I'm sure you heard of, of a couple of college football coaches that were relieved of their duties by not getting the vaccination by a certain date. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it, it, you, as you mentioned, they both tested positive, probably pretty close to the same amount of time. And so vaccinated or not, they're on the same level. They're equal footing. They both have tested positive for COVID. And now they're both being given different circumstances or a reason that has proven to be irrelevant in, in testing positive in this scenario. Yeah, so it's just it's so dumb. And 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 I say that again, not as a Packer fan, as a football fan. They're like, what if? Because I think it would be obvious, like, and I think we would have heard if either of these dudes obviously if either of them are in the hospital or on a ventilator or whatever, like we would have heard about that for sure. For sure, especially the dude that wasn't vaccinated. If he was having it real bad, like you would absolutely be hearing about it. And so the fact that you're not hearing about it, like them struggling with these symptoms or anything, that it could be asymptomatic for all we know, makes me think like, okay, 
So are we punishing two guys for what might have been a false positive? And now if it's spreading with a couple people, it probably isn't. It like it might be the real deal, but who knows? Again, maybe they've had it for a week already and right. been out there playing. Like it, it there's just so many things about it that it is it is not at all scientific. Let me ask you this. We've both gone to a college football game recently. Mm-hmm. Did you have to take a test to, to attend that game? I did not. Did you have to wear a mask? to be um to be allowed into the stadium not in indiana did you hear i did go to i I went to a a cubs cardinals game and i had to wear uh because of the state of illinois we had to wear them on the on the bus on the shuttle i did the wrigley free parking and so we had to do the um the bus over there and so i had Mm -hmm. to wear one over like to the stadium but then that that was it. Um, so, how in college football season so far? Do you know of as as far as you know, every major university or every university has allowed one hundred percent attendance at their home games. As far as I know, that's the case. Um, and have you heard about any players or coaches or assistant coaches that have been? L- kept off from playing or not allowed to play or travel with their team for testing positive or are they even testing their players and coaches? Do you know? Yeah. None, none that I'm aware of. And I would add like, that's not to say that there haven't been some, but we, you know, we talked about during the Mike Tomlin thing at the beginning, there's, there's different levels of teams, right? There's the USC's and the LSU's. And then there's the, Northern Iowa's and the ball States and the Missouri state and Kansas. Sorry, that was just a cheap shot, but you know, (laughs) seriously, like there's big programs and there are less relevant programs. So maybe in some of those less relevant programs that are still following the rules or whatever, but I have found it interesting that there's not been you know, Michigan last season wrecked their season with it. Yep. Like canceled their last, what, two or three games. Yep. Like this year, the NCAA says, hey, we're not like you forfeit. We're not rescheduling. We're not doing this all one conference. Like your team's not good. You forfeit. And magically, to which I think is the point you're getting at. Yep. Like, yeah, Alabama, not a single case. Georgia, not a single case. Notre Dame, Michigan, Iowa, Penn State, like you name it, you know, Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, USC. No, nobody. I haven't heard of a single one. And again, you know, and, and maybe this is the point you're getting at as well. We hear about every COVID case in sports, right? Like, yep. We hear about it anytime, and yep. especially if it's like not a vaccinated player. But yeah, I mean, I stood next to, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people at that Notre Dame game. I mean, that was, if not sold out, like pretty stinking close. Like, yep. I was definitely cramped into where I was sitting. And yeah, there was no social distancing going on there. There's people literally like screaming and breathing all over each other, mm-hmm. like, you know, like the good old days. And yeah, I, it, it just really, again, it's, 
Science has nothing to do with it. I don't care. And if you're a listener that disagrees, hey, maybe this is where we'll finally get people to interact with this. <laughs> like, I would love, I would love anyone and I would challenge anyone to show me actual science that's going in to these decisions. Because this idea that, like, I, I've seen this in the NFL. And, and tell me if you've seen this. So, like, the players that aren't vaccinated, I think, have to wear masks on the sidelines, right? I honestly don't know the answer to that. I feel like I've seen a couple, and I can't imagine that any NFL players doing that just for fun. Like, so my thought is most teams are 90-plus percent vaccinated. So my guess is that, and I've seen it a little bit in the NBA as well, like only a couple players on each team might be wearing masks. And that's part of the, like, punishment for you know, for not being juiced. And so it it's like, what what world is that scientific? Like, I'm going right. to take this off as soon as I go out and play, but if I'm on the sidelines with all these fully vaccinated people, like, I'm going to somehow, as the unvaccinated person, like, make them all sick. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Like, and... I mean, I, I'm glad things are getting back to normal. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's this year in college football has been fantastic from the standpoint of not only are we seeing fans, because we saw a few depending on what part of the country you lived in last year, we saw fans, but mm-hmm. we're seeing, to your point, all over NFL, NCAA, packed houses, unless, you know, it's Kansas and you got to, like or, beg people to come in. That's or or Michigan. Them, Michigan couldn't sell out the big house last week for Northwestern. That is a little surprising too. Yeah, um, as the sixth ranked team in the country, just just saying, Michigan fans, like, come on, that's a little rough. Now, if I'm and I'm not, if I'm a Michigan guy, I'm going to throw that back at you and say we do have almost twenty thousand more seats in Notre Dame, but whatever. But that's um, fine. That's fine. Anyway, yeah, it's. We need to move on from this because I could really. But yeah, that was my point was my point was even if universities are requiring 100 percent vaccination, which I think Notre Dame actually is. They're either still saying that because of that, we're not testing them, and which means that they could still have players that are positive and could be spreading the virus. Mm -hmm. They just don't care. Yeah, it's. It's not about science. It's not about health. Like, that's nonsense. And, like, are there people out there who are concerned about other people's health? Absolutely. I'm not trying to throw a blanket on everyone. But what I'm saying is these people making decisions, this is, like, virtue signaling at its finest. It is falling along political ranks. And honestly... The best thing they could have done with this virus or with this vaccine is for everyone to just like shut their mouth on their opinion of it. Because the president that said before he was elected that if if the virus is coming from, or not, I keep saying virus, the vaccine's coming from Trump, I'm not taking it. Well, that's stupid. And it's the same, like, you became president. It's the same companies. It's the same vaccine it's not any different because you're the president now like and for our listeners like i don't care what side of the aisle you fall on 
like if you love Trump or hated him or love Biden or hated him, like I, I don't care. I mean, they seem to be big fans of his across college football. They're cheering for him and Brandon every week, but um, <laughs> like I, I don't care where you fall politically. Like that's again, I'm a big fan of the country we live in and having the freedom to have your own belief system. Like choose what you want to do, making your own decisions on your personal health. Like that should be your decision and not the government's. And so like, that's, that's fine. But you have all of these organizations that are making it political. And so you have the president, you have the vice president before they were elected saying they didn't want to take this vaccine because it was linked to Donald Trump. Like that's dumb. And now it's like, you you spent all this time telling people how untrustworthy it was, you know, Andrew Cuomo, we're going to put our own people investigating it. And all of that, when it was President Trump, it was just how there's no way you could ever trust a vaccine being done this quickly. And then it was President Biden, and it's like, well, no, actually, this vaccine's been really in the making for 20 years. And it's just like that kind of stuff. If you would have just, like, rallied behind the president, President Trump, like whether you liked him or not, and just said, hey, this dude is working with Pfizer and all these to get this vaccine out. Like, let's not make this a political thing. Like, hey, this is for people's health. And so we don't care if the president is like a stuffed turkey. Like it's being made out for people to have for their health. Then you're going to have people on both sides of the aisle and whatever part of the political spectrum they fall who are going to say, you know what, I will trust doctors, scientists, whatever, because no one is pushing this down my throat. Instead, they're saying, hey, we were able to get this in record time, and it's out, it's available. If you want it, come get it, it's free. Like, let's do this. Let's get back on the road to these packed stadiums. I think you would have boosted numbers way faster. But when you instead come out... And you use the power of the federal government and state governments and you use things like universities and organizations like the NFL and the NCAA and all of this. And you you strong arm athletes not only into like making this decision, but then like being spokesmen, telling the people that, you know, telling their fans that they need to do it like that does you a disservice because it's like. People aren't stupid. I, you know and it's I mean. not and it's not a race issue because there are athletes in all levels of, of professional sports of all colors yep. that are, 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 you know, they're either for it or against it. It, it doesn't matter. It has yeah, nothing it, to do about like, or, or status or anything. Yeah, you do like do you do you like that's that's America and. I think what we're seeing this year in football is when you just give people the choice of like, hey, do you want to run the risk of the person sitting next to you might not be vaccinated or they might or they're, they're going to wear a mask or they're not like, are you willing to spend a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, you know, or again, if it's Kansas, you can just walk in. That's three shots on them, but they deserved it. That was embarrassing. Um, but like whatever it is, like it's your risk reward. Do you want to do it? Do you want to pony up the money to sit next to someone that could give you this virus? America is overwhelmingly saying, yes, that's fine. We would just like to live our lives. And so when you have the NFL, NCAA, the federal government, 
all of these people trying to like strong arm you into making the decision, that's where my issue is. And when you're strong arming people against the vaccine because it's the other party in office, and I don't care if it's left, right, blue, red, whatever, like that's not the point. If you are a member of party A and you're against something because party B is in office and then party B gets out of office and party A is in office, now all of a sudden you're for it. That's baloney. And I think the American people see it. And I think the people that want to get vaccinated are and the people that aren't, aren't. Exactly. Like, that's fine. We've kind of reached that point. If you want to keep putting the ads out or whatever, that's cool. But, like, let's get back to, like, living our lives and enjoying football because we're doing it anyway. And you're doing people a disservice who are paying all this money to go watch the Packers and the and the Cardinals, and you're seeing like the Packers one A, you know, or one B or whatever because of these goofy rules. And again, if a guy's sick, that's one thing. I'm fully on like that's that's the part that I'll admit at least makes some medical and scientific sense in the care of health of other people is you might not be feeling good, but you're testing positive. So you could carry this and give it to someone else. And we just want to try to stop you from giving that to someone else. And we know for a fact that you're positive. I'm totally on board with that. That's fine. But if you can prove that you're negative repeatedly, Mm -hmm. then you should be held to the same standard, whether or not you've been vaccinated, wear a mask, what state you live in, who you voted for. None of that should matter. It's football and it's a sickness and you either play with it or you don't. Man, how many guys do you think have played with the flu yeah. in football? I'm not even going to go down that road. We're not, we've, we've been podcasting for a while here. So um, I got to look at my list. We got to be about exhausted of the topics. <laughs> this has been a this fun episode. Fun. <laughs> yes. I've enjoyed this. And um because we're dealing with real life issues and sports at the same time. And that's always a fun combination. Um, oh, you had uh, the Colts turn around. Um, mm, yeah, we'll hold off on that one. Let's, let's make sure on that one still. Okay. We'll, we'll make there sure. Is, that there, that, but there are some interesting things around. happen. Yeah, there's some interesting yeah, things like, happen. It's, um, I, you know, I used to manage a Verizon store in my, When I took over the store, we were in dead last in the territory. I inherited that. And I came from a store that was always top five. And so I I saw how things were supposed to go. And I went into this other store and it was a mess. And, I, you know, there were a lot of people in there that were doing some good things. But just as a unit, we weren't very good. And I'm not a patient person. And so I wanted to be top five like the store I came out of, you know, yesterday. And... I remember my district manager saying, hey, you know, this is like trying to turn around a freight liner, you know, like it's going to take a while to turn that ship around. You know, this isn't a tugboat that you can just slam, slam the back and whip the front around and all of a sudden you're going the other direction. Like it's going to take a while. And I think the Colts are in that process of turning that ship. And so if they continue to turn that ship, we can definitely talk about that with them. And if Carson Wentz continues to play well, which he didn't light it up this last week, but he 
played well, and they played well enough to win. And that at the end of the day, that's all that matters. My team can't seem to figure out how to do that. So, you know, um, but uh, I think that's probably it for this week because we'll probably do a full, a little uh, bit more of a preview. Maybe guaranteed. not. We need to do our guaranteed picks. Or, or, oh, you, we do or so you still want to do like a full preview or we want to leave this? Pull up the schedule. I think the only can... game outside, you know, outside of Green Bay and Arizona, I think you could possibly talk about like again, and this is a stretch game, but Steelers and Browns because it's a divisional matchup. That's that's really the only one that stood out to me. Is Baker back in that game? Do we know? I, I don't know for sure. I don't know if it's been mentioned. Yeah, yet. let's hold off because I wouldn't necessarily mind talking about that game a little bit, especially if anything else develops in the next couple of days with Mike Tomlin. Like if he gets hired at USC, I would that would be that ridiculous. So <laughs> we, we would have to do an episode just for that. Colts Titans is is an interesting could, yeah, one it could because be, yeah. if if we are going to talk about like are the Colts turning it around, that's going to be a time to look because the Titans have just beaten two very good football teams the last couple of weeks, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, are the Kansas City Chiefs a really good football team? That's another um, another question. Um, and they have a bye week. And by that, I mean they host the Giants. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just taking pot shots all around today. Um, why not? Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't know that there's a lot. I wish I could say the Broncos game was interesting. I, I'm just interested to see if we're going to win like ever again, or at least between now and the Lions. Um, Imagine if you became the first team to lose to the Lions this year. Uh, I don't. <laughs> hopefully i only have to imagine it hopefully i don't have to live it oh man the, i don't uh, you know there's not too many times that i feel bad for you when it comes to your decisions and sports teams um but i think i might feel bad for you I, <laughs> I might feel bad for you on that time that game uh i've actually thought about going to that game too um just my buddy steven is a lions fan so if you want to really feel sorry for someone He's been a faithful, faithful-ish Lions fan. He's faithful till like week five, and then he's like, "We suck again." I'm, why do I like this team? And then he watches hockey and soccer. But, um, I thought there was one more on here that the Patriots Chargers one and like intrigues me a little bit, but not a ton. Um, Patriots have, they're also, I think, in the same position as the Colts. Actually, they may even be a couple of steps ahead of the Colts as far as their turnaround because if even in losses, they've looked like a much better football team. And and yeah. so it, I think it Cowboys sounds like we're going to probably. On Sunday night football could be interesting. No. Um, you know, we, we make the must-win jokes. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, it's it, one thing that makes it interesting is both teams had the week off. So they've both had the same amount of time to prepare for this. So you don't get an advantage either way. Mm, um, that, that doesn't, I wonder how many times that that's interesting. That, yeah, I don't think that, that happens a lot. And uh, Dallas is just a two and a half, but it, it's, it's in Minnesota and Minnesota, like, especially if, uh, if they want to have any chance at the division, they really need to win this. So it's, you know, for them, for Dallas, it's not a must win at all. They could probably lose their next four and still win the division. Um, well, but, so it, it sounds like we will have a full NFL preview coming. 
Yeah, we got a couple of games we can talk about. And, then and we'll also, see what else happens in the news. We'll try to keep it more conversational. I hope you all have liked this as much as we have. We're going, I think, at about two hours at this point. But yeah. um, but we've talked about a lot of good stuff. And so we would love to hear from you. As we've said throughout um, the entirety of not just this broadcast, but as we've been doing this podcast, like, let us know if you like this style better of us doing a little bit more of like news. I feel like this is a little more of the first take type stuff or, or undisputed or whatever, where we're kind of getting past just the who's going to win and lose and more of the, like what's going on in the league and what are some factors, you know, and, and talking about a little bit broader than just like, Oh, the Packers have some COVID issues, so they might not be as good, but like, let's talk about that. And let's talk about the NFL and are they flexing their muscles more than they should. And all. so I've enjoyed that, that part of it. And I hope that our listeners have as well. Um, now if, if your feedback for us is like, don't make it this political, I will say this. I don't think any other episode <laughs> I mean, because we've had Kaepernick and vaccinations in the same episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If, we didn't plan that. I'll tell you all, we didn't plan that. Um, you know, we we planned to talk about the Packer game because we don't normally get a preview in prior to the Thursday night game, and that's on paper the best matchup of the week. Um, yeah, there's really not anything else that interests me this week. I mean, to to much of a degree. Um, so I'll be, but I'll be, uh, we do have a really, really, really good college football preview coming this week. And I think we're planning on having uh Lounsbury back this, this week as well. There, there's going to be yes. some, I'm excited for With college a fun football. surprise. We won't spoil it, but not only are we having Matt on, but we have a fun surprise regarding Matt. In and there's some really, up. really good games this weekend. Absolutely. So hopefully, you know, maybe some chaos happens in the NFL so that we can talk about something crazy that happens. Like maybe the Lions will win. Maybe the Broncos will win. Who knows? Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, but, yeah, some definitely the battle of Michigan – uh, coming up and well, yeah, we won't get into all that cause this is, this is NFL, but, uh, this has been fun. And uh, again, I, I know I've said it a few times, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know, like leave us some comments. Um, I, I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse with this a little bit, but we don't know if we're doing a very good job. If you don't tell us. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to beg because if you're not listening to us, you're not listening to us. You're not going to hear me beg anyway. And if you are listening to us, as we've said before, we appreciate that. We want to be able to provide the best content that we can and things that are interesting to you. So if it's, Hey, shorten it up or we don't mind if it's two hours, if it's interesting, or whatever your feedback is. If it's like, leave Kaepernick out, again, that's fine. Um, and vaccines and all that stuff are not going to be a regular part. We're not the normal mainstream media, so we don't really want to talk about But we may be moving towards like a more discussion-based. like Yes. More discussion. Like I think more of the Tomlin type stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, th That kind of thing, and like those types of effects and i i think where where we'll hopefully get into is 
creating a little bit of our own like hot seat stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause that, then I can talk about the Broncos again. Cause I'll be able to talk about Vic Fangio being on the hot seat. Like that dude has been sitting on the grill <laughs> since he landed in Denver. I mean, uh, man, it's rough. Most oh, of my yeah. life, the Broncos have been very good. They've won all three Super Bowls in my lifetime. And in fact, they've been to almost all eight in my lifetime. If I'd have to check the dates, but I think, yeah, they've been to at least six or seven of the eight in my lifetime. And so this has been an unfamiliar stretch for me, and I don't like it. So on that happy note, um, find us online, facebook.com slash tdpodcast2021, or tweet at us. We would love that. Um, Maybe I'll get a Twitter poll. I haven't ever created one, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Maybe we'll put like a Twitter poll out there of where will Mike Tomlin be coaching next season? Pittsburgh, USC, or LSU? Uh, or or other, Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, who knows? Or Denver. I'd take him, man. I, how would you not take a guy who's never finished worse than 500? Man. Ugh. All right. That wraps it up for tonight. I I need to go to bed. I got to get up at 4.30 in the morning and and work out. So I I need to go get some sleep. But um if you have uh, been hanging out with us uh throughout the entirety of this podcast and you haven't skipped through parts of it like if we were PlayStation you'd get one of those little trophies, you know, for like <laughs> endurance or something, I don't know. But we appreciate that. We appreciate even more if you could give us some feedback on what you like. Again, we have thrown out pretty much an open invite to anyone that would like to be on the podcast. We might have one or two people uh, taking us up on that here in about a week or so. I haven't talked to Mark about that until this very second, but um, <laughs> I'm going to be on location again. Like I've been the traveling rep for, uh, for our podcast. Um, uh, and, but luckily this time, not in Michigan, I'll be in uh, either San Antonio or Dallas, Texas. Uh, coming up soon. Maybe we can talk some NBA at some point. That season has kicked off, um, and there's some interesting things happening there. But I don't know. We'll do one sport at a time here. But this has been our NFL hodgepodge, um, our wrap-up slash conversation about life in America and the NFL. God bless the NFL And God bless America. And God bless you if you listen to us tonight. That's all we have for you. I hope you have a good one. We'll see you next time.